You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. Trent Fleskins here, your host as always. Today, we're getting straight into our finance chat with our finance expert, WA's number one broker, Sam Carello from Napoleon Finance. Sammy, thanks for coming in, mate. No worries, Trent. Thanks for having me. We have a bit of a spread of info today. We wanted to have a bit of a focus on the finance scenario, the implications for those people looking to get into the building space with the grants. We wanted to talk about just an update on rates and also the first home loan deposit scheme. July 1, the new allocation of positions came out. Uh, a few thousand going to a couple of banks that people can, if they understand how it works, could could take advantage of it. That's right. Yes, <laughs> plenty of grants out there at the moment. Uh, plenty of money flying about. So it's just about making sure that you do qualify. You know, obviously for the ones that you are looking to go for. Let's start with the rates. We'll just get them off quick and easy at the moment. What are we looking at as an owner-occupier with a good enough deposit? And probably good to mention different rates at different LVR levels as well, what we're paying right now. So with the rates, some banks, I think we've chatted before, some banks will do it based on LVR and some will do it on loan size. So uh, ideally, most banks want to see a 20% deposit. With that, we've got some fixed rates starting from uh, 214, 2.14 that Who's is. Who's doing that at the moment? Principal and interest. Uh, there's a couple of lenders out there, uh, not the majors, it's your second tiers. Okay. Um, with the, the banks that you'd still, or lenders that you'd still work with? Correct, yeah. So uh, I guess likes of ING, uh, Macquarie, for example. Well, they're reputable banks. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, ING, I think, customer service-wise, feedback we get from clients who, who end up with them, uh, absolutely love it, you know. It's a, a big multinational. And no branch. Correct, yeah. So, I think the, the idea of the old bricks and mortar, I mean, you've, you've pretty much got your big four who, who have that. Other than that, a lot of these other banks are actually closing branches. Mm. Well, I think because most people can't be bothered going in there. It's really your, your pensioners who want to feel and touch the checkbook and get the cash out or, or deposit, you know, small business owners maybe who are depositing the cash. But even then, they can do it electronically these days. That's correct. And uh, I guess COVID-19, there's a little bit less cash around as well with a lot of, of your cafes and things like that saying that they want card, card payments. But yeah, I mean, internet banking's come a long way as well. So, you know, the ability to do things online means you don't have to go into a branch or there is a telephone banking as well where, you know, for example, ING, their telephone banking teams in Australia, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's so, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Usually when you're talking to like a mobile phone company, the only time you get an Australian is if you press cancel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, offshoring's uh, been big, and and that's been a we COVID. That's been a bit of an issue with some of the major banks who do offshore. Uh, we've seen some turnaround times blow out. You know, some lenders are out at sort of thirty six, thirty eight. Right. It's not days. a bit of an issue. It's been a massive structural issue that has really screwed a lot of people over, sellers and buyers. Let's be frank. A and Z has taken seven, eight weeks to get a loan approved at the moment. Back, most sellers and buyers won't agree to a contract where a finance clause is seven or eight weeks. That's correct. Yeah, they've recently changed it slightly where they're doing, uh, they've allocated refinances at about 36 business days as we speak. Uh, as your purchases, they've now put into a different queue and they're at about 15 business days, but mm. it's still three weeks. So, you know, you, you do need that one touch approval, which current environment uh, is sometimes tough to get. Now, you said 2.14%. That's for a fixed rate. What if we like our variable rates? Yeah, cool. So, we've got some some sharp variables. Uh, I think, again, ING are pretty sharp in the space. I think they start at 2.59. I have had some pricing come back from a couple of the, the majors, for, I guess your bigger size loans, and I've had some rates at 2.59, 2.6s. It's a bit of a difference though. It's a bit of a gap. 
Yeah, it's half a percent. So Especially when you could argue that the rates couldn't drop any further. Yeah, so I guess a conversation we have quite regularly with, with clients when we do sit down is fixed first variable. I think if you look at the RBA, they're at 0.25, which is their zero. So I don't think, you know, they've sort of come out and said they don't really have too much room to move. The banks are, are, are not happy. Uh, they're crying poor, as to say, with, um, you know, uh, divvies and stuff being cut. So I don't think the banks will necessarily voluntary, uh, voluntarily sorry, um, pass on any variable rate cuts. And the fixed rate, if you can fix in for a portion, if it's suitable for your situation, I think um, it's definitely something that a lot more clients are looking into. Low twos is not an interest rate to complain about. That's exactly right. When we come to investors, there's more investors popping into the market now. Are they getting in the twos as well? Yeah, so again, fixed rates. I think the sharpest interest-only fixed rates, our friends at Unibank and, and Teachers Mutual, so they've got a 2.49. You're paying a, a sizable application fee with those guys, aren't you? Uh, typically, uh, so yeah, Unibank, member-owned bank, uh, they do have a, a $600 application fee, but there's no ongoing fees. There's no there's no package fee? No. So, typically, most banks will charge a $395 package fee. Which is a rort. Uh, so, yeah, they, they do say, obviously, there is benefits with the package fees. I mean, the idea of the package fee and trying to group a client's, uh, I guess, you know, bank accounts, credit card, home loan discount just to make them more sticky and less likely to leave you know yeah. if someone sees they've got you know four or five products with a bank they go you know oh well if i refinance to, to bank b um, i'm gonna have to change my pay account i'm gonna have to change my direct debits on my credit card it's all too hard i'm just yeah. gonna stay where i am if you've got a larger portfolio with a number of loans i can accept the argument that 395 isn't that much across all of those loans correct and if, if you are going to facilitate the use of the offset account and you're going to have a substantial balance in there you know if the client situation is is they're almost living you know week to week with maybe a month's uh, in excess in their account, well, you'd question whether the benefit of the offset account of that 395 is actually worth it. Yeah, they're not offsetting anything. Correct, yeah. And that's where you can look to maybe get onto what we call a basic loan, where with a basic loan, you can still have that ability to, to redraw. So put it directly into the loan and, and take it back out. Just don't have the offset. They typically have no application fee and no ongoing fees. What happened with Emmy Bank trying to take people's money with the redraws a, a month or two ago? Is that a risk to other people with other lenders going forward? Or have they been slapped on the wrist and lessons learned? Uh, so, Emmy Bank did reimburse, I believe, all clients which they took the redraw from. Um, I guess at the end of the day, with redraw, it, it is important to remember, although the loan is in your name, it is the bank's money. So, at any time, the bank can call that in. So, it is the bank's funds. Uh, I guess by having the offset account, get around that risk of potentially having what happened with Emmy Bank. But it looks like just through consumer sentiment, just general pressure from the government and all different backgrounds of Australians that I can't imagine a bank trying that on again. No, I think they got absolutely, obviously, yeah, yeah, taken over the coals for that one, especially since they didn't let the clients know. They sort of just made a call Monday morning. People logged on to their internet banking, internet banking that afternoon and the, and the money was gone. Yeah, uh, I will note that they did reduce the limit as well. So it's not like they've just taken your money and left you alone there. Yeah, they just essentially made you pay your loan down. Correct. Yep. Yeah. The money is the bank's until you repay it. So they can change anything. There's a disclosure in each contract saying we own the money. We can do what we want, essentially. Let's move on to this first home loan deposit scheme. It was started start of this year. It was announced at the last election as a government-backed Keystart style thing. But in this situation, at least, you don't have the Keystart interest rate. Correct. Yeah. So can you explain a bit further exactly what's going on there? 
Yeah, so I guess I'll focus on WA because that's where we are. Yep. So each state has different thresholds as to how much uh, they can spend on the property. So WA, it's 400000 and that can be either a house and land or an established property. With that, the other restrictions around it is there is income limits. So for a single, it's 125000 For a couple, it's 200000 I do note a couple cannot be, say, a brother and sister. Uh, it has to be... It has to be uh, a loving relationship. Correct, yes, which... You know, you, you question whether that's... has to know. be a legal relationship. Let's leave it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, but what's what's the difference between a, a husband and wife or, you know, two partners and yeah. a brother and sister wanting to get in the property market? Mm. So, anyway, so that's maybe a discussion for another day. So, they're the two main um, the two main points, I guess. The criteria. Yeah, yep. and you've also got to be an Australian citizen, so you can't be PR. If you're PR, you don't qualify. And I guess that maybe flows onto the $25,000 grant, which we'll talk about later, no doubt. So with the 5% no LMI, you come up with your 5% genuinely saved. We don't want to see any uh, any super withdrawals or anything in, in your accounts because okay. once we see that, or not us, but once the banks see that, uh, they're probably going to decline your loan. Um, quickly, side note on the super withdrawal. If you do withdraw from your super, you are citing that you are in hardship. That's part of the application to get your money out from the super. Mm, so, so if you're withdrawing from your super just to have some money from a, for a rainy day and then going for a loan next week, it doesn't look very good. No, you, you need a, a pretty solid explanation to, to still get your loan approved. Okay. Uh, so once you've got that 5% genuine savings, yep. is it, I guess, the, the government's just backing you in for the other 15% in terms of that security? Correct, yeah. So then we lend you 95% of the property value, obviously up to a purchase price of 400000 And yeah, the government secure your mortgage insurance. So there's no mortgage insurance payable. What happens there is not all the banks are offering it. So I think there's about 27 banks on the panel. Yep. The main ones that we, we sort of see is your two majors are NAB and CBA. Uh, and, and there's then, a whole bunch of lenders that even myself, I haven't really dealt with much. Correct, yeah. I guess your, your second tier is that we do a little bit of work with is probably police and nurses, uh, Unibank, Teachers, Mutual Bank. Yep. That's where we're sort of seeing. And then it's like tier four lenders. Correct, yeah. yeah. Yep. Where uh, a lot of the, I guess the mutuals, where they don't deal with brokers. So, yeah. you, you apply direct via their channels. I guess the benefit to this is if you are in that, in Western Australia, that key start space of how much savings you've got and you are adamant you want to get into property, if you've got 5%, at least you're not paying LMI, and at least you're not paying ridiculous, you know, four and a half percent interest rates and things like that. That's the benefit to taking on this if you can apply and be given a spot because you have to book a spot essentially, a reserve a spot on this scheme, right? Correct. So limited to ten thousand. What you do is you do your application, you book a spot, uh, and then you have ninety days to find a place. With the latest release on the first of July, I do note you need to have your twenty twenty notice of assessment prior to formal approval. So anyone looking to get on it, I would look to get your tax return done ASAP because mm. uh, that is a requirement and that's how they dictate or I guess confirm how much you did earn last financial year. I think that's an option for people who are looking to get into what we're about to talk to uh, in a second being the grants. If you have an income under $125,000 and for a um, single, yep. for, as a single, can you use this to get a vacant piece of vacant land as a 5%? Uh, you can do it as a house and land. So you would need a building contract as well. Uh, if it was a vacant block of land ready to settle, 21 days for finance, 21 days for settlement, 
uh, you wouldn't be able to use the grant. It's okay. A, it'd have to be a house and land, so we need a building contract to go along with it. Mm. Obviously, the savings that you, you do make as well, so that mortgage insurance, say on a $400,000 purchase at 95%, mortgage insurance is maybe around that $14,000 mark. Yeah. I would have thought as well, if you've got, if you've actually got 10 or 20% and you thought, you know what, I just don't want to put that in and I'd also not like to pay, pay LMI and you got yourself a spot on this scheme, a savvy young person could do well out of this. If you do have 20% and the bank obviously review and that, and they say that you do have your 20%, potentially they can decline your application for the 5% not As not needing required. I mean, I guess they can't force you to put your money in. But if they see someone with 20%, I did have one come back and the bank came back and said, well, actually, we can see he's got 20% in his account. He doesn't need to be on this game. Correct. We're not going to give him a spot. Okay. Look, it's a needs basis thing. That's that's I guess that's a prudent way to do it. That's it. I mean, and just quickly on, on rate as well, like we said, I think key starts about 4.54 at the moment. <laughs> say you're on a rate of even 2.54. So you're saving yourself 2%. On a loan of $380,000, that is $634 a month in interest. I just cannot see how a key start product is good for anyone. I know sometimes I can speak, you know, quite with a level of bravado in in these sort of opinions, but you know, I'm I'm I'd like to make it very clear that my opinion here, my stance on this here, especially if you can because uh, it's the same criteria in terms of income as I understand, are very similar. If you can get on this first home loan deposit scheme, I'd m- be much happier to help you out with that, and I'm sure you would too, than getting them onto a, a loan with Keystart. And it, and it's not an issue with Keystart as an organisation, but simply the product there. If we're looking to having to do the right thing, the most suitable product, surely it's the one with the interest rate that's half the interest rate, and that has to be the answer, right? Correct. I mean, on you know, a $400,000 purchase at 95%. So $380,000 loan over a year, uh, just a 2% saving. It's going to save you $7,608 in interest alone. That has to be the most suitable option for someone in that space of deposit. Correct, yeah. But again, there are only a few you know spots on this list for the whole country. So uh, get in early, I guess. 10000 yep. Like I said, definitely get onto your tax return because that will be required, the notice of assessment. Uh, you can, some lenders will let you reserve a spot uh, without your notice of assessment, but the clients we have on the you know, or looking to go on the scheme, uh, which we've you know caught up with previous to to July one, uh, we've told them you need to get your tax return in and done. Okay, let's finally move on to the grants. Now we've spoken at length the last couple of weeks about grants. We don't need to explain again what they do, but let's get a finance perspective on it in terms of backing up or just further explaining your own perspective as to who can and should be getting onto these grants from a finance side as to affordability for the land, even just how realistic it is for someone who's got X amount of money in their pocket to be able to go through, buy a piece of land and then go and do a build contract. Obviously, there's a couple around. You've still got your first homeowners grant, which is for any first homeowners in WA, uh, stamp duty waiver if you're building. When do you get those though? Uh, So they're paid at slab down. So they don't help us getting a piece of land. They will if you have a house and land contract because okay. the banks are happy to forward the $10,000. It's these other two grants that have been released of the 20000 and the twenty-five that the banks uh, at the moment are not going to make available. So what we do is we've had a, an absolute influx of clients looking to buy and build. Before these grants came out, we'd probably do maybe a couple of construction deals a month if that. I think last week alone, I had about 12 or 13 appointments, which was construction. So... That just goes to show that the amount of volume that's sort of come in. 
Now with the $20,000 WA grant, so with that, you've got six months from contract signing to slab down, which I think is probably an achievable. I mean, I, I don't work for the builders, but I think that's probably an achievable uh, time frame. Yep. That's, there's not really any restrictions around that. So you can be PR, PR or you can be a citizen. Uh, there's no income restrictions. You do not have to be a first home buyer. But when are you getting it? Uh, after slab down. So this isn't helping you again get that piece of land, is it? No. As you said, the banks aren't forwarding it. They're not putting it in your application as part of your deposit. You'll get it, but you'll get it as long as you can afford it otherwise. Correct. So what we're sort of saying is the 20 and the 25, it's purely a bonus. At the end. Correct. That's just going to be cash coming straight back to you. We're clear that the banks aren't taking into consideration the loans for the land. What about once we've got the land? What about the build? If we've got a $300,000 build contract... Can we use the 45, I guess, if we if everything else works out in terms of time frames and eligibility, can we just have no deposit and use the 45 that we're going to get as our as our deposit for the build? Banks are still waiting on you know feedback from the government. It's still a bit grey, but all, all feedback I've got is that it's no. Uh, essentially, they'll still want to see your deposit from your own pocket for the build and then you will get that $45,000 back. So the banks won't forward you at the moment the 20,000 WA grant or the, the 25,000 federal grant. they Just the 10. Just the 10 at slab down, which is what they do already. I, as I said, I think there's going to be some very disappointed people in the next few months. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think three months turnaround for $25,000 to get a slab down, I think is, is, is going to be pretty tough. The builders are flat out at the moment. And like we've been telling clients, just see it as a bonus. If you do get the 25000 that's a bonus for you. Mm. But I would not be banking on it. And the banks at the moment will not let you use it towards your deposit. So I guess the message from here is that if you've got two grand in the bank and you're thinking that you're coming to a landowner, whether it's a house and land or it's an individual landowner in an existing suburb thinking, now I've got 47 grand in the bank or 57 grand in the bank plus free stamp duty. That's not how it's working. So say say you're looking to buy just a vacant block of land. You didn't have build contracts. You had to settle that land before you could start your build. You would qualify for nothing. Furthermore, you would have to pay stamp duty up front and then get that recouped when your first homeowner's grant. That gets pretty gets tough. Right. If you're buying a piece of land that's $250,000, your stamp duty on that's about $8,000. You have to pay that up front yeah. and you've also got to get some level of LVR and yeah. you're not getting the first home loan deposit scheme as you just said. Correct, yeah. And typically vacant block of lands, most lenders want to see at least a 10% deposit, ideally a 12%. So vacant land is, I guess, LVR-wise, it's just restricted a little Quite bit Quite prohibitive. More, yeah, than house and land. Unfortunately, what it's going to do is push p- more people towards house and land packages in the middle of nowhere. I think that's the thing that for me that worries me the most is those people who have got the least amount of money because of the, the lower level of friction in the way that it works with house and land packages and finances. More people with less money going further away from Perth in the same place creates a real structural issue in terms of the financial viability of those suburbs. Say you're, you're looking to build in a you know one of the outer suburbs and say you've got someone there with a three by two on 400 square meters and they've got their established property up for 400,000. Well, all of a sudden, potentially first home buyers can come along and collect 55000 for building a brand new property, which is probably going to be very similar to what you're trying to sell. So what we're going to see there is, is potentially down valuations where someone goes, well, I can build that for 400000 and get 55000 back in my pocket. Or 
you know, I can buy yours for say 345. I think that's the big issue. We're seeing it across building, finance, valuations, my side of the equation as well. Uh, I hope everyone listening today take this episode as I guess a real wake up call to uh, one, where the interest rates are at if you're, if you're maybe due for a refinance. Two, uh, the opportunities available to you with the first home lender scheme in I guess in contrast to what we're used to using in that deposit space with Keystart. And three, just the reality is of that it's not a free lunch with the with the grants. You probably need to be already standing on your two feet in terms of being able to afford to do what you were what you're looking at doing now before these grants and they're more of a bonus at the end. That's right, yeah. And with the grant, so like we said, there is a the twenty, the twenty five and the just the standard first time owners grant. With, with the 25, you've got to be Australian citizens. So I've had a lot of clients who, where one is an Australian citizen, one is a peer. Uh, they, looks by the looks of it, don't actually qualify. Mm. Both have to be citizens. Mm. So, whether or not this has been told to them by the builders when they're, they're signing up, it, it's just something to be aware of. Like we said, we can't use it as a deposit. So, it's essentially 25000 that will come back to you. Yeah. Uh, and it's a three-month turnaround for that federal grant. It's which, really tight. I'm really concerned that we're going to have a lot of people sign up to a house and land package, go through the process of getting a build contract and building permits and all that, then have to go to get finance with Sam Carello. Sam turns around and goes, guys, I know you were relying on the 25, but you're not going to get it for these reasons. There's more than one. Correct. And then yeah. it falls apart. Yeah. I Yeah. I, I think if, you know, how I, we've... I guess, you know, had a conversation with our clients. We've said, look, let's look at these grants. All right, the 10,000 first homeowners grant, you do qualify. doesn't matter whether you, you build now or you build in six months. That's that's going to be around by the looks of it. The 25,000, that is, you know, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. But I wouldn't be banking on getting that 25,000. The 20,000 WA grant or the home builder grant, I, I think that one's probably achievable. Most yeah. builders should be able to turn it around in six months. Yeah, but... Again, it's going to be a bonus to help you with your landscaping or an aircon. It's not getting you there with the land at the start. Correct, yep. It's not a deposit. It's not anything. It's just cash back into your account to, to maybe finish off your property. Sam Crello, thank you for coming in again. Really appreciate your support of the, the show. A lot of people love listening to you. We get a lot of feedback about about your level of insight on financing. Thank you very much and, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you in again very soon with some more updates on numbers and maybe some more grants or whatever the government's doing next time. No worries. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Trent. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!